listeners. Welcome to the next session. An advice podcast for game masters who are seeking help with their next game session. I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. And we have a special guest joining us today, um, my very good friend, Zach. Hi, Zach. Okay, so for reals, it does sound like you just press play on a recording. <laughs> <laughs> like We do, actually. We just hold the recording up to the mic. That's, uh, that's then, what I figured, yeah. Yeah. It's we have like, a impressive. really nice sound system here <laughs> just nope. set up so that you it's guys not... don't have to repeat the recording every to repeat that that intro every time exactly it's not tech savvy it's like one of those old 80s boom boxes <laughs> <laughs> you just put it right next to the microphone yeah Is we it actually not... have oh. no money we have no um no equipment and no money so <laughs> listeners feel free to send us a dollar we might we might get so high tech so as to record the very first opener and then, then we don't have to say it every single time. <laughs> or, or use our tape deck and boombox. Yes. <laughs> Your um, what's the what's that little silver the the, the talk boy? Isn't that what it was? The little oh, yeah. silver oh, recorder from Home Alone Two. Yeah, from Home Alone Two. <laughs> yeah. I had a friend who yeah. had one of those. Oh, boy, what? That was the coolest. I'm still jealous. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I want, I want one. It was I don't know what I would do with coolest. it. Uh, you what we did, which is record yourself saying stupid stuff and then play it back, which is yeah. you can do without a talk boy. But uh, yeah. you make fart it's... noises and then you you leave it somewhere. Yes, exactly. And get one of those like dippy birds to hit the play button at the right time. <laughs> this is my uh, imagination for like what it is to leave Home Alone style traps in my yeah. house. <laughs> it's fart noises. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fart noises, which perfectly describes role playing games, really. <laughs> Thanks for bringing with that, it with back. That perfect segue. Yeah, look at that. With that perfect segue, uh, Zach, um, introduce yourself. What is your relationship with uh, role playing games? Hi, uh, my name is Zach. Um, I like long walks on the beach. And no, you don't. You hate sand. I, I hate sand so much. I hate long walks on the beach. And I love plus two long swords. Um, no. Uh, okay. So let's see. My relationship with role playing games. So I, um, my first RPG was probably D and D. It was middle of college, probably, and I made it through maybe two, three sessions uh, before that game just completely fell apart. And we never met again to play. It was with a bunch of my housemates. Uh, and then... Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. You had a bunch of housemates, and you all played D&D like three times, and then you went into your rooms and never said anything about it ever again? Never. <laughs> I'm still paying rent on that place. <laughs> I can't... <laughs> I can't get out. It's, I'd have to talk to someone, and we made a pact. It would be... We Everyone agreed. After those sessions of D and D, we would never ever speak again. <laughs> it just That's... seems crazy that like it, the game fizzled, but you all still live together. Like I know it's ridiculous. We even like it was a big. There was a big pool table in the living room, and we all sat around the pool table, and like, it was the perfect. It was like a giant felt lined dice rolling tray that was yeah. the size of a room. Um, with, with traps in the corners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with the, with the sweet Big dice, dice traps. traps. <laughs> yeah, it was it was essentially like the perfect place to play D and D as a college student, and it worked spectacularly for three sessions, um, and then yeah, I don't know what happened. I don't even remember what happened. 
I think this mm. is pretty common, actually. I think the, the like, I, I actually think the most challenging part of any Dungeons & Dragons, especially as, as adults, is scheduling. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, totally. Like, people people uh, have lots of questions about, about how to, you know, be, be better game masters or, or even be better players or how to handle, like, difficult challenges that come up between conflicts in the group. Hands down, the most challenging thing that I've ever come across for any group is always scheduling. It's always trying to get people to actually attend a group together at the same time and commit to it and and be willing to to show yeah. up more than more than once. There was it's, a uh, yeah. there was a person who said like, "Hey, I play D anD D every week, and I've been playing every week for five years." And I'm like, "Well, that's oh not goodness, true." <laughs> <laughs> I or, don't or it's amazing. You. I mean, I mean, obviously, some people have been able to commit to it and 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 can really jump in and and make this a part of their yeah. lives. But that's like a that's a lifestyle. I mean, even the game that uh, I'm running for you guys right now, we have had one. Well, I guess we've technically had two sessions. Um, oh, yeah. And then I keep saying to myself, like, oh, we should have a session this Friday, and then I'll get sick, or oh, actually, I have book club this Friday, or. Actually, they're driving to a different state or whatever. Like, there's, <laughs> there's like different, different things that come up. And I mean, there's only what? There's me. There's the two of you. There's two other people. So that's not very many people to try and schedule. But still, life gets in the way. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. So actually, yeah. So that leads me on to. I picked it back up. Kind of. I don't even remember when. Um couple years later after college started doing more D&D um we try to do what did we start with Adam a fourth edition I think game fourth I think edition, yeah. yeah 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 we started with a fourth edition game uh which was pretty fun we did that for a while um and then we heard about this cool new thing called D&D next <laughs> yeah uh, so for those who are not aware before fifth edition came out they did a beta test of fifth edition called D&D next uh, which was the original proposed name for what Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition would be called? And that to be fair, test... go ahead. Uh, fifth Edition actually isn't really official. It's sort of unofficially called Fifth Edition. Um, the actual name for Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition is just Dungeons and Dragons. Wait, really? Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they they kind of intended it to be it's like a relaunch, like, like a relaunch or or like a a whole new thing. Like I, I don't think it actually says Fifth Edition on the cover of the of the player's handbook. Oh, I can't go if, get it. If it was still called D&D Next, there's no way we would have gotten the next session as our name for our that's podcast. That's true. I guess that's true. So, okay, you know, silver lining. into oblivion. Um, yeah, so uh, we played D&D Next, and D&D Next lasted as a beta for... It was like two years or Like something. a few years, yeah. So we played that, and that was great. Um, it was really interesting, the kind of swing from... Fourth edition was a okay. So three point five was huge, in depth rules for everything. So many, like literally, if you wanted to, you could just sit down and say, "I make this move," and then you could have a two hour discussion on, you know, okay, well, let's look up this obscure rule for this, and there's situations <laughs> in which this rule would apply, and so on and so forth. Um, and I think, if I remember correctly, 4th edition was kind of an attempt to to say, okay, listen, 
there are these like preset moves that you can have on little cards if you want that you can just say, I do this prescribed move that does a couple of things and it's really cool and that's the thing that I do this turn. Um, since I didn't really remember 3.5, um, or didn't really, I mean, three sessions, it's basically nothing. So I, I didn't really get a good feel for it. So I enjoyed, as a, as a kind of intro to it, I enjoyed 4th edition because instead of trying to dive deep, dive in the deep end, um, and let me say like, okay, here are these five cards that are essentially, you know, in some ways, magic cards, right? They're, they're yeah. things yeah, absolutely. I could play to say, okay, I'm doing this this turn, and I can just read off the card what it does, and I know that's going to happen as long as my rolls go well. And that, that's, uh, that's exactly how I feel. I mean, D&D 4th Edition was my first time playing. And oh, was it? I liked, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I really liked being able to, like have the tools in front of me to know like these are the things i can do like i have twin strike or i have vines or i have whatever and being able to to have that as an introduction really helped me to get into then the role playing later yes i completely agree i i think it's it's super interesting because the the dungeons and dragons community largely really hates on fourth edition yes they um, do. although there is this very very dedicated subset of the community that just absolutely loves fourth edition and still still plays it and still loves it but there definitely was a feeling like fourth edition was a little bit of a money grab um from wizards of the coast at the time because they were really trying to push like miniatures and maps that they could make and cards and things like that um and i don't know if you remember this zach but they had this that online system that you could like buy uh, and pay a subscription for, and it would give you access to all the fourth edition materials. Um, yeah, that, that was like. the like the beginnings of. Um, yeah, what's what's now sort of D and D Beyond, right? D and D Beyond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I don't even remember what it was called to begin with, but yes, I do remember that. I, you know, it's and it's interesting because I can see the money grab side of it, but what I also see is like the kind of nice structured, accessible side of it, right? Yeah, um, I'm. And and I actually think I mean there's a ton of stuff that they took from fourth edition and they put into fifth edition that really streamlined the game. Yes. Um, that I tremendously appreciate. Yeah. And I really like some of those pieces. And actually, you know, having gone through and uh, I've been designing Critical Core, the the game that we're designing as part of Game to Grow for forever. Uh, now it feels like. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Did Critical Core pay you guys money to put an ad in on this? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, and uh, and in doing that, I, I I'm looking back at the fourth edition designs and going, oh, man, they had some really brilliant stuff. I really love the multi defense system of, Goodness, of yes. uh, uh, Fort Reflex Will uh, and armor class, and I thought that was. You know, looking back, it's it's complicated, but I totally can see why you make it that way. And and there were some really great streamlined aspects to it. It was really strategic as a as a game to be able to play. As I said, it was a great intro to the game. And then, you know, it's interesting. Even back when um, the college friend of mine, I don't think he had a module. And so actually, it wasn't until years later that I even knew what modules were. Um, I was so used to just kind of coming up with the world myself. And I think that's one reason that our whole group kind of gravitated towards and appreciated D&D Next. 
when mm-hmm. we first started playing it is because next was this huge flip around i think they hurt they i mean i even remember getting emails right we've heard you guys we're we're sorry we tried to give you something easy to do we'll make it complicated again no i'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um essentially what they were saying was right we've we tried to make it simple but in doing so we made it lockstep and right so they i think they learned a really good lesson and it implemented changes very effectively in opening it back up and saying okay this is now back up to we're we're giving more freedom back to the dm to make rulings on things instead of just following the prescribed order of things and and um, i think a lot of in a lot of senses making it much more story oriented as yes. opposed to you know fourth edition was very combat heavy or or really explicit like puzzles that required you know, a check or a, a specific role. Right. And they, with 5th edition, they've really moved it back into being like, well, it's a story. You're making a story. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell it for the story. Don't just follow these sets of rules. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, no, Well, ahead. we could talk about 4th edition probably for I know, another like 16 more minutes. I know, but... sorry. So <laughs> what I was saying is like, I, I guess my point is like, it's it was really interesting to see the kind of transition or evolution of my interest in tabletop RPGs because I got into 5th edition, you know, next and 5th edition, which is a lot more kind of open, like do it yourself. Um, the DM has a lot more kind of creative control versus the rules. Uh, and because that was our style of play anyway, I mean, I don't think we've... I've never played an actual module. I don't know the last time you played an actual module, um, I've, Adam. I've played a homebrew module, which sounds contradictory, but... <laughs> It was somebody else's homebrew yeah, module. So, someone <laughs> else a, made an unofficial home. module, and I and I ran it. And I actually really enjoyed running the module because it took a lot of work out of what I how I usually uh, DM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was great. And then speaking of which, the the other thing that we worked on, I don't I don't know if you brought it up on the podcast before, uh, is the rumor system, which was fun yeah, too. So the rumor system. Yeah. So this is all kind of on a path to like, I've gotten more, I'll just quickly end this. I've gotten more into systems like um, I've done monster of the week and I've done um, dungeon world is the one I'm, I, I really enjoy now, um, which are all kind of more story focused um, games play to find out what happens kinds of games. Um, and, um, and have simplified in some ways the dice roll. So, for example, both of those systems just use two d6s uh, for most rolls for for the characters for the players uh, instead yeah. of different sized dice for different things. Although they still use that for damage. Um, and uh, yeah, so one of the things we tried to do is, especially since we've never done modules, uh, <laughs> since I didn't even know really modules existed, I, I knew on some kind of intellectual level, but I hadn't really processed. Oh. This is where I can go if I need some creative ideas. I can literally pay to have someone else's creative idea to help give, what, give me a what, base. What is this book, Curse of Strayed? Yeah. Stroud. Miss... Stroud. Stroud. <laughs> Stroud. Um, uh, yeah, so we were trying to figure out. My, my Stroud voice. Is Swedish. <laughs> he said, he's, and he goes, "Hello and welcome to Stroud." Stroud. We have actual people from Sweden. I know. I really, I really apologize. Do That's... not offend them. They're nice it's people. Too late for that, it's it's too late. <laughs> I like the idea though that 
not only is Strad, your Strad fake Swedish, but he's also like the narrator of the, <laughs> of the like the, you start, he's you're all in a tavern. Hello, welcome to Strad. The only people he's, around you are tra- dusty travelers. <laughs> this this creepy looking vampire walks in the door and goes, hello, everyone. Uh, hello. Welcome to Curse Yoo-hoo. of Stroud. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Well, this is going to cut this whole section. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know, do, for time-wise, I'm I might gonna, just. I'm do, <laughs> I, I want to do a Curse of Stroud campaign based entirely off of nothing to do with the module, just my current knowledge of the module. <laughs> well, <laughs> Which is that there's vampires, then there's a vampire named Strahd, and that's it. That's all I know. <laughs> let's go back to the rumor system. Yes, so um, the the point here is that we were trying to figure out, okay, how do we... Uh, and it's interesting, because at this point I hadn't heard of Dungeon World and, um, and, uh, and other RPGs like that. Um, so we were trying to think, okay, how do we get the players invested in this, uh, in a new campaign, right? You're, you've got the same characters, you've wrapped up, you know, whatever dungeon you're doing, you're back in town. How do you, both mechanically and story-wise, get the players and the characters invested in what's going to happen next? And so uh, Adam and I worked out the, the um, I think it was uh, Bobby too, right? Yeah, um, worked out worked out the rumor system, and the rumor system is essentially, uh, which you could get the rumor system on Game to Grow's website uh, for uh, and drive through RPG yeah. and drive through RPG. Yes, yeah. and please donate uh, when you get it. Um, so the rumor system is essentially, uh, we say, okay, in the story, you guys go, uh, you're you're finished, you're at the local tavern, you're walking around town doing your stuff, and and as you would. In any scenario, you overhear people talking. So tell us what they're talking about. And so then people come up with a sentence. And I mean, there's a whole structure you can read about um, when you download the the PDF. But um, essentially, it's a w- it's a way to get the character to kind of discover the next thing. And that gives us a as the DM that gives us a seed from which to pull the next adventure. Um, so you know, someone might say. Oh, I hear that there's um, a bridge leading out of town. That at night you lose uh, your your wagon is always emptier when you get to the other side of the bridge. Okay, creepy. So then everyone everyone maybe chooses that one, and then we send them out to actually go actively seek more information. And then they go and find one other piece of information, and they say, "Oh, well, the, you know, it only works in one direction." Or um, you, people have heard screams coming from under the bridge. And so then you take all those, there's no more decision-making, and then as the DM, you have these kind of prompts uh, to start off your next adventure. And as with any rumors, it could be that the rumor is wrong, it could be that the rumor is has been twisted by an accidental game of telephone, right? And so that gives you creative freedom, uh, but it's a, it's a good way to kind of give you a seed, the seed of an idea for for the next campaign and it means the players are invested because now they're going oh you know which which prompts did he use or she use um which uh you know which direction is this going uh and so it's really it's fun so anyway so that kind of yeah i like i like to see how the dm twists and uses the rumors especially the second go around where 
where not only do you, we all vote on that rumor, but then now we get to gather additional things about it, uh, which, which just enhances the, uh, the game. I, I just, I just always appreciate how much more invested you feel as players when you've helped craft the pieces of it. Exactly. Um, it makes it more of a, a mystery to which you have not only discovered the first clue, but maybe, uh, but, but even have helped kind of craft the first clue. So you feel kind of like the kind of maybe the perpetrator of the mystery while still not knowing what's going to happen, which is a cool yeah. kind of double. It, yeah, it's like when you're reading a book and you know more than the character does. Yes, that's um, a great. But way you're to put still it. like, what's the character going to do? They don't know mm-hmm. yet that the ant is dead right, in the other room. They're or... walking into a trap. Yeah. Or oh no! Yeah. Don't go in there. Yeah. Well, they're going to go in there because they don't know yet. Yeah, you're still you're still <laughs> invested in the in the char- in this character in the stories, even though you know. Yeah. The, right. Some of the some extra information that's going on. Um, well, thank you, Zach. Um, let's get <laughs> into welcome, our, <laughs> let's get into our next session help. <laughs> let's do let's our do first some, question. Let's do some next session. <laughs> um, our first question comes from Furakazironas. Nice. Here's Alyssa's yelling at us for making fun of, of fake Swedes. And now she's totally butchering someone's name. I'm just trying to say it as I see it. It could be maybe for a it's conus. for a conus, but, but the O oh, is, is a zero. zero. So for Okay, Frocinus. Uh Frocinus says, I need help with a blacksmith encounter. So I am a pretty new DM and I'm making a homebrew setting. My party, uh, which is five members, got some minerals and now they want to go to a blacksmith and have him forge weapons. I am wondering how I could turn this into a battle. So far, I've thought of them having to defend against a number of waves of monsters for a reasonable amount of time for the blacksmith to melt the materials and forge and then cool down the weapons, etc. Any advice is much appreciated. So it's worth it's worthwhile to mention, uh, I am not a blacksmith and don't know anything about the actual process in blacksmithing. But hashtag not a blacksmith. Hashtag not a blacksmith. But... <laughs> I'm fairly certain it actually takes like a long time to like forge something. That's a lot of enemies they're gonna have. <laughs> yeah, it's like but a like, weeks long battle, I, or or at least hours, right? Like it's kind a couple of, like of you hours. Gotta melt, it's like like you got to melt the metal and you put it in and you take it out and you do it now, a bunch of times. As and... I like to say, magical world, magical sword, totally magical forge, yeah. magical blacksmith, a- absolutely. So <laughs> you can feel free to eschew. <laughs> Is that the right word? Is that the right? I think it's pronounced eschew, eschew, but I'm not eschew. sure. You can feel free to eschew um, whatever direction away from, from that idea. And you can say this blacksmith is the fastest blacksmith in, in the world <laughs> or has a magical forge or magical forging hammer. And the blacksmith can say, it'll only take me two minutes to forge this, but you've got to hold them off for 20 rounds. Uh, or whatever the case. Is. See, now you say you don't know anything about blacksmiths, and yet you know that every blacksmith is also a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> every male blacksmith every male with a big beard uh, <laughs> even though having a beard seems like a terrible I, dangerous terrible, very dangerous yeah, very I dangerous like the female blacksmith. blacksmith from A Knight's Tale oh yeah Me she too. was great spectacular yeah. I think she's my favorite of all the fantasy blacksmiths but I can't do that that voice <laughs> can you do the do they say in the question the do they say she's just English yeah, I can't do any accents at all. I'm horrible with voices. Do they say, do they say what the minerals are going to be for, or they're just to forge something? 
It says the blacksmith to melt the minerals and forge and then cool down the weapons. So it sounds like the minerals are going to go oh, so into So making these some weapons. kind of weapon or multiple weapons? Yeah, yeah it's, maybe. It's weapon and then in parentheses S, like weapon or oh. weapons. I like I like the idea. So obviously like you could have the blacksmith shop under siege or something, which uh, might, might be interesting. Essentially this becomes like a um defend the point. Yeah. This is, you know, I can picture it straight out of World of Warcraft where, like, the blacksmith is standing there saying, like, don't let the forge be attacked. And the forge right. has its own little life meter or whatever. <laughs> or, um, kill right, yes. oh, what's the game that we play with the Oh, the like uh, Borderlands? Yeah, like Borderlands, Borderlands, where you mission. have to, like, raise a flag with a generator. And right. it's like, quick, I have to raise old freedom. And, yeah. and all these guys are coming. And you're like, abandon the, the flag. <laughs> yeah. This is not worth it. But uh, I thought you were talking about your favorite video game, Forge Protector. For- <laughs> the Forge Guard. Forge Guard. <laughs> the classic. Why didn't very I think popular that video that game, classic, Forge Guard. Very popular video game. <laughs> um, what I actually like the idea of is the blacksmith has to fight you while the weapons are forging. Yeah, I was Why? I was thinking maybe the blacksmith is an imposter or has a secret Ooh. agenda. Um so it's either that the real black blacksmith is tied up somewhere. Um Ooh, that's and good. you have to you have to kind of learn that the blacksmith is not the right one. Maybe you notice that the weapons he's making aren't quite what you asked for. Or, uh, or maybe the, the blacksmith takes your, your super rare materials and says, this is going to take me a, a whole day. Um, come back tomorrow. And you come back tomorrow and find the forge completely cold and empty and the black the real blacksmith tied up in the back. Yeah, although that's not really... I mean, that is a super cool idea. I do like that twist. Um, and I like the idea of the... Um, the imposter blacksmith. Yeah, thing that's took a good one, Zach. Um, I was actually thinking, whatever this rare material is, uh, they actually didn't say it's a rare material, but uh, well, I like to imagine is. it's a rare material. It's rare now. Um, <laughs> can, Super rare. Can only be. It's a very boring in, quest. It's it's, it's really. Boring. You guys have to listen. You have to travel far and wide to get dust and some <laughs> random rocks and a bit <laughs> of cheese. Put them together. And it's it's medium rare or well done. <laughs> it's well done material. <laughs> well done material. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, um, I like the idea that it's a rare material that can only be forged in combat. So the ah, blacksmith has to splash cool. weapons with you in order to get the material hot enough to Ooh, be forged, or that's actually to cool. imbue it with something. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool idea. So like he says now, he says like, okay, now in order to you know in order to forge this correctly, we need a bit of might. Um, and then someone's like, oh, well, I'll, you know, lift up this, this, um, well, now Block. what's that thing called? Anvil. Anvil. I'll lift up this yeah. anvil. Uh, and he's like, well, no, it has to, you can't just pretend. It has to be yeah. something real, right? You have to, has to be real passion. display passionate might or something. And then he'll yeah. like swing and then, you know, he'll like swing his hammer at someone's head. Right. And then, or I need okay, the, what do you the do? sweat of a hero. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. sounds hot. So then, so then, so then he's like, he's Black like sword Smith fighting you, and your your yeah, successful yeah. attacks against him aren't to hit him, but they are to like, like really passionately hit your weapon into yeah. the weapon that he's like in the middle of forging. Yeah. I like that. I could also see the blacksmith says, "Look, this is great. You have these materials, but if you like, you have X materials, but if you gave me material Y, I could make sword 
plus. I could sword make a better plus. sword. New sword plus. <laughs> this sword, bl- so, sword X plus. So now it's just Monster Hunter. Well, no, now it's now it's material. <laughs> Not just hunter. Monster Hunter. Now it's Minecraft. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. But there, you could throw some creepers in there, and yeah, they could be attacked by monsters. Or it could be that the materials themselves have to be like added in in a correct order that you don't know, or maybe if the, while they're mixed together, like the the. If, oh, it could turn into a forge monster. If, yeah, exactly. If if it's like done, if it's made in, like the end result is one special. If you're doing one weapon, the end result is one special sword, but it's held in tension when it's finished, right? And during the crafting, it like summons different beasts. It's that's just a side effect of these 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 materials oh, yeah, getting mixed good. together. Like, Either summons beasts or devils or demons or something like, like that. Oh, Every yeah. time he brings the hammer down and, and hammers onto the to the material, like demon or a devil Sparks or something, or, fly a, out. or a summoned creature or something, uh, flies out from the from the material, and you have to fight it to, yeah. to prevent it from getting or back you, in. You could even do uh, this one would be interesting. I've done this to you guys once before. If you remember fighting each other, oh, oh yeah. yeah. So you could or even like do like versions of yourselves. Or yeah, whatever. or yeah, like whoever's material is is being is being crafted at the time suddenly sees the rest of the party as enemies, and they have to like everyone has to defend against you know fight with and defend against that person without killing them, but without mm. also without getting hurt. And then suddenly you know when the blacksmith is done forging that piece of it, he adds in the uh, another material from the other person, and now that person turns on the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then you have to fight them without, you know, hurting them too much, or right. without killing them, maybe because they're your teammate. Exactly. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think there's the, a lot of really given, cool ideas here. We've given this person um, a lot for, of for for a conus. I forgot how we decided to say for Ferocinus. We have given Ferocinus um, a lot of of good ideas. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Ferocinus. Ferocinus, <laughs> these are spectacular ideas. Just letting you know. <laughs> Listen. Listen, these are the best ideas. Whatever whatever ideas you came up with, clearly not as good as these. Clearly. <laughs> We're never going to get any questions ever again. I know. Um, all right. Terrible. Let's move on. Let's move on to our next question, which is from Caustic Berries. Ooh, oh, my gosh. Caustic Berries. Caustic Berries. Isn't that a great name? Um, Caustic know, it Berries. It sounds kind of dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they ask, what would happen if someone lost their shadow? One of my players got on a warlock's ire. To save the character from just being murdered, I put a spin on it that the warlock had captured them. Warlock took them back to their evil domain and performed some kind of ritual that eventually stole that player's shadow. They no longer have a shadow. I have a couple of thoughts on how to expand on this, but currently I'm keeping the players in the dark and letting them feel uneasy. Would there be any mechanical effect of not having a shadow? I'm thinking of ways this could be interesting from a role-playing perspective. I want the player to feel scared and like they need their shadow back. There's a spooky feeling to that, isn't there? Um, It is technically a curse, so it should be a bit damaging. Maybe they could take disadvantage on a wisdom saving throw when they are illuminated by light. That that should cast shadow, question Hmm. mark? Hmm. My first suggestion is... Stop keeping them in the dark. They'll never notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. From my understanding, uh, it just means that you need to leave Neverland and find your shadow. <laughs> that's right. And then you chase it you, back. And you, you try to back, glue it back on with soap. Yeah, which doesn't work, of course, because slope is slippery. You have to and sew it on. And then you have to on. sew it back on. 
So that's that's how you get your shadow back. And how you get sued by Disney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for your for your campaign. I think it's a super interesting idea. Yeah, I really like that. I don't know what the effect of losing your shadow would be. I like the idea that, like, as you go on, um, villagers might be uneasy about you for some reason, or someone might think you're a vampire, or have some sort of, like, what do you notice? I like the, if if you really wanted to give it, like, a distinct mechanical, you know, challenge or disadvantage to the players to make them want to get rid of this effect, right? Uh, or want to get their shadow back, or whatever the case may be. I like the idea that they constantly make everybody else around them feel uneasy, and then yeah, that's that might cool just be represented to... by like disadvantage on charisma checks mm-hmm. or whatever. Disadvantage, you know, whenever you're talking with somebody else, they like they don't like you, and they don't know why they don't like you, but you make them very <laughs> uncomfortable. I he doesn't like you. Well, <laughs> I don't I'm, like I'm you. Sorry. <laughs> They don't know why they don't like you, but it might have something to do with the fact that you creepily don't cast a shadow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking, what was I thinking? I was thinking it'd be interesting if, you know, thinking of the shadow as a visual marker of the passage of time, if mm. while the person doesn't have a shadow, they don't age, and mechanically speaking, they don't gain experience, and they don't mm. level with the rest of the party. <gasps> But the shadow, pretty interesting. But the shadow does, which they might they might find out later, and so they finally get the shadow back, and then they gain all that experience. Exactly. Suddenly, go from you know it takes two levels or something. They go from eighth level to tenth level or something like that, right? Hmm. Um, But then that way they they, you know they notice themselves younger, or you know not you not younger, but not aging, not aging, right? Um, Uh, But also not kind of learning. Yeah, a little bit of like a picture of Dorian Gray kind of. Yeah, I mean, you could take it as far as you want to, right? Maybe they're kind of impervious in battle in some ways. Like, you know, someone someone strikes you with the sword. You feel like you should be taking seven damage, but, but you don't. Caustic Berries wants this to be a curse and be a bit damaging, right? So here's my thought. The shadow's missing. The shadow is now a creature that is trying to get back to you. Hmm, okay. It, it's trying to get back to you, and maybe it's trying to take your place. I like that a lot swap places with you now suddenly you're hunted and you you have to figure out how to defeat your own shadow to get it back into its rightful place sounds like shadow link or whatever right yeah yeah i like that we we did just talk in the last gm help question about the idea of fighting yourself um this could totally have that still fighting yourself although you could you could also make it a little bit more like um uh, no face from uh, Spirited Away. Like you mm. could turn into like a large. Like it doesn't look like you anymore. It just it's like a large shadowy blob creature kind of thing. Uh, a shadowy monster that is that is after you because when it's detached from you, it doesn't have that. Or maybe the warlock actually. Anymore. The warlock took maybe the shadow to it. and turned it into a copy of you. And now it's that classic. Doppelganger is ru- ruining your reputation around town. Oh, that's pretty good. So before you get to the next like town, that. you've already been there and Every, destroyed stuff. Everyone hates you. Yeah. They're like, there's the guy, get him. <laughs> and then yeah. later there can be one of those hilarious, like, shoot him, not me. And then you have to look for the one without a shadow, but they both don't have shadows because one is a shadow. That's right. You know, if if as a GM you realize that you're pretty bored and this GMing stuff is really easy, what you could do is have the 
have the shadow be an accidentally passable curse. And so, like, without meaning to, the first person I bump into that day, I steal their shadow. And now I have their oh. shadow. And suddenly I don't have a lot of my powers anymore, but I have some of theirs. And they don't have them anymore. And then oh, yeah. everyone's shadows get bumped around and mixed up. And people are so obviously not very effective to, yeah. because they're trying to stumble around with this weird mishmash of powers. And it get, can be get really super confusing. Yeah. And they have to somehow kind of bumble their way over to rescuing the shadow. So then it becomes a curse kind of for everyone for associating with this person. So then it's a kind of a battle of like, do, you know, how much do we how much do we want to stay with this person to help them get their shadow back versus maybe just, you know, murdering them and getting our shadows that, back. That reminds me of the cover of the movie. Do you remember that movie with Jack Black called Shallow Hal? Yes. With, um, I think it's Kate. Is that? Is that Kate Blanchett? Gwyneth Paltrow. It's um, Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, and, and she wears a fat suit for a lot of that movie. But the cover, the, the like movie poster is them standing and having um, their shadows are, are of yes. them in their fat suits. And so right. it totally reminded me of that. You Like if I bumped into somebody and suddenly I have their shadow, I could look down and go, this isn't me. That's not my shadow. That's like a giant orc yeah, guy yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah, a little yeah. gnome. What the hell? Mm. Oh, no, I did bump into an orc. And then later you have to like backtrack through everything. I think that's that's kind of an interesting idea. Although man, that would be hard to keep track of. It would be tough to mechanically set up. But I do like the the concept from a storyline perspective. That yeah. is that is an in, a really interesting. If story. you have um, a dungeon really master assistant, <laughs> yeah. yeah, a DMA dungeon master assistant who yes, can classic, sit next yeah. to you mm-hmm. and take notes. Who doesn't nowadays? <laughs> I think if you wanted to do that kind of sort of complicated setup, um, that my my recommendation would be that you have a pretty clear idea of the circumstances in which cause the shadow to move from one person to another. Right. And that way you can control that more explicitly. Um, so either you make the circumstances rare enough that, like, it's not going to come up too often. So you can set it up once or twice, but then don't have to worry about it, like, constantly right. happening. Yeah. Or... You make the circumstances outside of the player's control. You don't know mm. what causes the circumstances of the shadow transfer. Now it just, it's just sometimes when you're near some people, it happens, and sometimes right. it doesn't. And then that way, you have complete control over over. You know, this is becoming too much. Um, I can just stop doing shadow transfers. <laughs> okay, I have two. I have two silly ideas. Oh, I love those. Those are my favorites. Okay, the first one is you know that episode of the show Bluey called the Shadowlands. No one's going to get this reference. But you if no, they do. But, but the, those, the, the no ones that, that get it should watch Bluey. Oh, yeah. You should 100% watch Bluey. It's a great TV show uh, for kids, but also for adults. Anyway, there's an episode called Shadowlands where the kids are, uh, they have to stick to the shadows um, and they can't, they can't step into the light. They have to stick to the shadows. And they're really good at this game. And uh, I was thinking maybe standing in the light now because he, this character does not cast a shadow anymore. Maybe standing in the light causes damage. Maybe that hurts a little bit. Not, yeah. not enough to to like really like kill them unless they were gonna go sunbathing or something. But like it's like uncomfortable. It now or it's whatever. it's hot. Mm. It's extra sweaty. You're you're not feeling good. You need to get you you want to go stand in the shade because it it feels better because you don't have this protection. So my other one is. Uh, really silly um you know (laughs) you 
know, I, I like the setup already. You know, <laughs> you, know, you know those books called Twilight? Okay. And the vampire, if he stands in the sun, people know he's a vampire because he glitters. Oh, yeah. This you is think good. people like without this. shadows should glitter? Yes. <laughs> in the sun, they should sparkle, sparkle like a sun. disco ball. It should be hilarious. There should be people going, put out that light because you're blinding them with your skin. They're blinded by the light. Are they revved up like a deuce? <laughs> this is the second time we brought this up. I on know. Podcast. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that's terrible. Now it's becoming a running gag. It's going to uh, be on our get bingo your own card. Content, oh, guys. That's terrible. Um. <laughs> We're stealing content from ourselves, though. <laughs> anyway, Twilight Vampire. Okay. Um, so there are actually D and D classes in the game that have like disadvantage in sunlight and Twilight Vampires. It's, I don't know about Twilight Vampires. <laughs> the, the, the Twilight Vampire D and D monster. Guys, I'm going to play an Edward this this campaign. Oh man, not Jacob. <laughs> Only people who've read that book would know that. <laughs> I just outed myself. Yeah, no. One of the challenges that I've always had with that kind of situation is that it means that suddenly you have to be very aware of how much light is in every situation that you yeah that's a mechanic characters that's or just you really make, hard to you make the player ask sure they can say what kind of day is it and you can say oh it's overcast and cloudy and then when when you want them to be sparkly in the sun you can say <laughs> suddenly the clouds open up you're hit by a bright light but we just snuck in under cover of darkness yes well you fell asleep on the way and now it's noon. Follow spot. Now it's noon. <laughs> You've been hanging out in the middle of the street, sneaking. Take 20 damage. Okay, I have two not silly suggestions. Oh, okay. I'm less so, excited. <laughs> I know. I'll try and say them as monotone as possible. What if you start gaining your shadow back, but you start losing your corporeal form? Okay, ready? Here's the other one. Okay. <laughs> what if you gain your shadow back and everything seems fine, but it turns out it's the warlock's shadow, and then he starts do his shadow starts doing sneaky stuff. <laughs> I like, I these, like are, these are really good. These are really good ideas. These are really good I ideas. Can't, I, can't, I can't take them because that better? of the monotone voice. <laughs> 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 Okay, I like <laughs> sneaky stuff. <laughs> I like the idea that you are fading away back to the future style because you don't have your shadow, which is just a fun clock that you can put on it to be like, oh, you're gonna, you're fading, you're fading away. You're you're starting to become more and more incorporeal. And uh, I mean that could have mechanical effects too, right? Like you might absolutely. take less damage, but you also might have a minus two, minus three, minus four every day to attack or whatever to hit. Yeah, you can't grab your sword anymore with your right hand, so well, now you have to do it yeah. with your left hand. If the sword was with you during the whole ritual, maybe your right. sword is becoming incorporeal and your the clothes. swords, oh. the shadow of the sword. Yeah, anything you're wearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, the shadow really of the sword sounds like a novel. So, like, pretty the quickly you would turn sword. into, like, just a ghost where you can't interact with anything. Um, and then and then be fading away past that. And really relying on your teammates to, to, like, help get your shadow back at that point. But that can be really fun, and that could also lead to a really climactic fight where everybody's fighting and you can't. Yeah. And then yeah, you, you totally. go and get, finally get your shadow back. You know, it's in the back of the room or whatever. 
and you finally reattach to it, and now you're you jump right back into the fight, and now you're like, haha, I'm fully corporeal yes. and or, I have full I hit points. That. Or maybe that'd be great. You get to the point where you're fading away so much that you can affect other people's shadows. So as they're attacking, you can grab their sword shadow and move it. And move the real-life arm of the other person. Whoa! Now this has turned into a whole campaign. This is cool. This is a movie. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay, uh, you can't have that idea anymore. Yes. Caustic Berries, sorry. We're going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Is this still Caustic Berries' question? Yes, it is. gracious. This is the longest podcast we've ever recorded. (laughs) Someone someone else should ask a question. Well, someone did, but first we have to take a break. (laughs) No. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll be back after these. This one message that's just us. Yeah. We're not back already. And welcome back. What We're a great back. break. What'd you do? <laughs> Man, that commercial was so good. I love that product, and I have already bought three. But it's a free product. It's, it's just us. It's us. On the commercial. It's us talking it, about anchors. They gave it to you for free? So, someday. Someday. That's the joy. Let's go on. <laughs> Let's do let's do some more segments. Let's do Ask a GM. What's, what Ooh. other segments do we have? Okay. Uh, William Settler oh. asks... William Se- Settler. W- Settler. The Settler of Williamstown. Oh. Wow. Good old Bill Settler. Well, good, good old <laughs> Bill Settler. <laughs> William Settler asks, What happens if a red dragon loses its fire breath weapon? I am currently playing around with a concept where an ancient red dragon loses its fire breath weapon, and I'm searching for possible consequences. What would this mean for the dragon? What exactly is the fire inside of a red dragon? And what does it do besides granting him the ability to breathe it onto his foes? Is it the main, the dragon's main source of body heat? Is it its soul? Would he slowly die without it? Or would he be just really cold all the time? So uh, there's a resource called the Draconomicon, which was released in 1990 as a Forgotten Realms source book. And it has a lot of really good references in there that describes um how dragons uh make their breath weapon right and dragons apparently have this gland called the draconis fundamentum which is apparently attached to their heart impressed you remembered it i'm reading it (laughs) you missed a golden opportunity Uh, no i'm brilliant um and it's apparently attached to their heart uh and that's what actually creates the the breath weapon or the the whatever whatever their breath weapon well, may, may it, be. It also plays an important okay. role in the ultra efficient metabolism of the dragon. And it um So if the dragon doesn't have it, then they become really fat? Well so veins, nerves uh, and Or just they just get full really quickly? <laughs> veins, nerves and um conducts go directly from the draconis fundamentum towards the flight muscles charging them with an incredible energy and towards the lungs and stomach oh wait wait wait! so this is just a way for them to apparently semi-scientifically explain how dragons can fly when they shouldn't be able yeah, to yeah i want to know who had the genius idea that they were like all right look you guys are trying to figure this out too much i'm gonna publish something 
and then I'll be right because I will have said it I first. Like, I like the concept that they were like, listen, dragons shouldn't be able to fly or breathe fire. And they were like, well, they can because they have, they have a, a magical gland. They have a gland. <laughs> <laughs> that lets them do listen, those things. I, I feel sorry so, for you idiots who it wasn't, don't know about uh, the Draconis Fundamentum. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't dragons can fly and breathe fire because magic. It was, no, 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 no. It's all science. There's a physiological, There's a physiological reason. reason. All... The magical gland. <laughs> That's the magic. That lets them do this. Also, things. yeah, the name of that is the name of the gland is literally the fundamentals of the dra- dragon. The dragon gland. The, the dragon. The dragon important bit. <laughs> the dragony. Actually, no. It's even more. It's the dragony. Gland. <laughs> it's the thing that makes it dragony. Yeah. Um, That's pretty great. <laughs> so I guess to answer William Settler's question, based off of what was the question? It was, <laughs> what happens if a red dragon loses its fire breath weapon? So based off of this, oh, yeah. it wouldn't be able to fly, and it would get fat. <laughs> according to you guys that's what metabolism i think that's the according to us that's science <laughs> that's, that's, that was discovered in 1990 <laughs> yeah um after I, intense study of dragon corpses i like the idea that so so if their fire goes out maybe it turns to cinders maybe it's now a cinder dragon and it loses its red coloring and it turns ashy oh huh. I really like that too. Yeah, yeah that it would change that it changes to a different color. Um, I do. I do think that's an interesting an interesting idea. It, it really c- cements the concept that the dragon is defined by their breath weapon and by their element, um, and losing that then also undefines the dragon's color. Right now, they just become gray or they become ashen mm-hmm. um, because they no longer have that, which I think is an interesting. Yeah, I really concept. like that. And it allows you to tie in a cool story element too, like, oh, is this dragon asking the asking for them to help her recover mm. their breath? You know, do do they can they find some resource somewhere too? Do they need to go on a quest to find something to reignite? Maybe there's the Draconis Fundamentum. Maybe there's a colony of banished cinder dragons. Mm. And yeah, 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 yeah. Gray dragons with no breath weapons. Yeah. And can't fly. Yeah, I think that'd be super interesting. They're they're banished out or outcast from the rest of the dragons. I also like the idea that there's a little bit of sort of maybe loss of soul. This could also tie in in, in Dungeons and Dragons. The dragons are very magical, so they can cast a lot of spells and stuff like that. So you could also say this this like removes their abilities to cast spells as well. They basically become like big lizards, uh, big intelligent yeah. lizards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, big intelligent lizards. Um, but I think that. Maybe even, what's the thing about dragon hoarding treasure, right? Mm. That, that's a big thing for them. Mm. So you could have this dragon who's like so desperate to get their thing back. that They're like, look, you see all this treasure? You can have so much of it. You just need to help me recover my yeah. breath. Like mm. I, they lose Fuck their it. spark. They don't have, they don't care about hoarding the gold anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I do think. Um, and then you can play on some interesting stuff when they get it back. Right. Are they going to honor that? Are they going to then turn on the party and say, like, oh, ha, ha, I'm so much more powerful than you now. Yeah. I'm going to keep my gold or like because they now have that urge back or whatever. Um, I, I think that's a super. Sorry, no, I think that's a super interesting idea. I, I like I like that concept a lot. And it gives you a, a, a rich world to kind of play in uh, with with dragons um, as well as like, 
you get to have a whole bunch of dragons who are really just kind of sad um, mm-hmm. and who are like and there's nothing Adam likes more I than like, the depressed dragons sad depressed dragons that's that's my jam right there um, and they're spelled D-R-A-G-G-I-N apostrophe yeah. <laughs> the dragon oh they're, they're dragons <laughs> the dragon dragons um, and I, I think that there's just like a really fun uh, concept to kind of play up in there um, I do think that It'd be very interesting. I'm super curious how the dragon loses its right. weapon. Because, because... It's not a book title or something. How the dragon lost his breath. Yeah. yeah. Lost his flame. <laughs> yeah. Lost his <laughs> It's a young adult novel. It's, a, the sequ- yeah, it's right. the sequel song to Puff the Magic Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but that just... Maybe that's what Puff the Magic Dragon is yeah, about. Yeah, maybe Puff... Instead of Flame the Magic Dragon, <laughs> right. it's Puff Aww. the Magic Dragon. Oh, very it sad. is a really it's sad song. It's actually a really sad song. Yes, that's true. Um, but uh, maybe as a DM, just have it playing as the environmental music in the background, <laughs> like an all instrumental version of it, and see if anyone There's notices. There's a dragon that's just singing Puff the Magic Dragon in the, in the <laughs> dragon town. <laughs> Very sadly. Um, I think it's a super cool, interesting idea. Um, I'd be curious what the like flame looks like when it's out of the dragon, right? Is it like a, a magic orb? or a... <laughs> Yeah, how did they goes... leave it exactly? Was it something stolen from them or was right. it magically extinguished or like... Yeah, and, and I, I like the idea personally that it's not like an actual physical, you know, organ or gland or something that was surgically removed from a dragon, but rather something that was magically taken, like, I... like literally a spark or a... Or a, a, a flame that's sort of floating in midair or something like that. I, I take lungs now. You, you get gills next week. Yeah. <laughs> it's from Futurama. Yeah, like someone, like someone like spiritually Kali mod the dragon's <laughs> yeah. heart out or yeah. something. Draconis Fundament. Yeah. Kali yeah. I hate, I really yeah. hate that part of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It's the worst part of that movie. So spectacular. What the yeah, best movie? Amazing. Um, no, <laughs> no, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's it's a cool, it's a really neat idea, and I love that it gives so many options, both for how the breath weapon is lost, right? How that spark is lost, what that spark is—is is it physical or spiritual or magical or or even mental? Right? Is it some kind of mental motivation oh, that the dragon loses? The dragon's got the. I mean, the like. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, speaking of like the work that you do, Adam, with Game to Grow, like, yeah, I can totally see that being something that you would set up for someone who needed to learn kind of reassurance social skills or something. Is like, oh yeah, okay, here's a dragon who who's lost their motivation. There's nothing physically the matter with them, but they don't have a breath weapon because they're convinced that they. They don't, or they're not good enough to have one. Sure, like, how do you can't have one help a dragon gain their breath back, right? Gain their confidence back. Like, that seems like a really interesting scenario if you have a, a, a party full of role players who, would, who could benefit from or who would enjoy, um, not that they're two separate circles, um, you know, trying to figure out some kind of non-combat motivation mm-hmm. for the dragon. How, you know, do you... Yeah, I mean, I mean you're, you know, you're, you... you're walking them through, I... you know, how, how they, honestly, you could do a lot of stuff on, like, self-care, and you could do a lot on, yeah, exactly. on like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
when when you're talking to somebody who uh, struggles with depression, oftentimes they're they're going to tell you that anything that they used to enjoy or that they used to used to do, they is not going to bring them any joy anymore. So so there's like a a real concept in here that um, whatever this dragon is struggling with, you could they could be like constantly denying like no goal my horde doesn't give me any pleasure and and all those things i used to do they don't i, I can't do them anymore without my breath weapon i'm worthless right exactly and yeah. and it could be just like a lot of you know pep talk essentially encouragement. And, and encouragement and and like a willingness to say like you're not lesser than you are just because you can't you know breathe fire and right that may that may be what the dragon really needs to hear to get their their you fire know, back we um, set this podcast up to help other people, but we just keep getting all these great role-playing ideas from all of you. So thanks for that. Yes. Stolen. Yes. It should be like in a, like a, ba-da-ba-ba-da-wow. Stolen. <laughs> <laughs> and we're using that. Thanks so much. Thanks. Uh, Don't worry. We'll credit you, person who asked the question. Yeah, William, Settler. Bill, Bill Settler. Good old Bill Settler. Um. No, I I really like this question. I think this this is going to be a interesting way to play, mm-hmm. and I would love to find follow up on this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, Bill, <laughs> Bill Settler, let us know what you decide. Let us know, Billy Bud. B- <laughs> let us know what you what you end up going Ooh, with. And the dragon's eyes should no longer twinkle; they should be gray as well. Oh. They, they yes, that's required. required. If you don't do that, Bill, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to our last and favorite segment of the night of the podcast called Use That Spell. Use that spell. Use that spell. Yeah. Where Thanks. I name a spell and we talk about it. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the segment. That's the segment. I found a spell. Um, this spell is called Sword Burst. Mm-hmm. Sword Burst. It is a spell from the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. It is a conjuration. It is a cantrip level, casting time of one action, range of five feet, a verbal component, and an instantaneous duration. Um, so it says. You create a momentary circle of spectral blades that sweep around you. Each creature within range, other than you, must succeed on a dexterity saving throw or take 1d6 force damage. At a higher level, the spell's damage increases by 1d6. When you reach 5th level, 2d6, 11th level, 3d6, and 17th level, 4d6. And this comes from Sword Coast Adventures Guide on page 143. Thank you so much. Go. <laughs> Sword burst, go. So now we just say, well, probably what I would do to use it is have some kind of verbal component. <laughs> well, and then I was thinking like, I, oh, we ran a campaign or I had a campaign and um, one of the things you could buy was a, uh, was this big trunk that was in the back and it, it contained a bunch of flying swords. And I thought, could you, um, maybe, maybe this is just my, thing here but could you bottle sword burst no no <laughs> what would you what would what what, <laughs> what exactly are you imagining cast, bottling sword I'm burst, cast would do? sword burst into a bottle and contain it and then later i want to boop and open it up and then there would be a burst of swords coming out of it coming out i of suppose the you could yeah you could like like a like a smoke bomb kind of you just like throw the potion on yeah. the ground and then sword burst the swords would burst up yeah that'd be cool yeah. 
I guess I'd probably allow that. I right? don't know if I'd I, I don't know if I'd let you as a as a like caster be able to do that without well, it's a without can- a cost or it's without a cantrip a... level. I mean, yeah, but that's because you don't like Alyssa. You'd let anyone else. Do it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we were all thinking it, but Zach said it. the The biggest thing is that I because especially because it's a cantrip level. Um, so this is this comes from many years of being a game master and seeing how players will break the game if you let them do a thing and then they go great i want to do that thing times 100 now every single Um, time so if you go i want to bottle sword burst into a bottle and i go yeah that sounds great you go ahead and do that and then you're like well what if i bottle 100 sword bursts and i put them all in a truck and i dump them on a guy (laughs) you would say where did you get a truck uh so a trunk oh oh yeah uh that's totally allowed that's totally allowed uh, and I dump them all on one guy, and so I can do 100d6 damage. And then I'm like, well, okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so what I would say is it's a cantrip, so I would allow you to do this and allow you to then be able to like hand it off to somebody else who could then use use the the bottle by smashing it on the ground or, or opening it or whatever whatever the case may be. But that I would have an, a cost associated with I it. I mean, I'm out of bottle. Right. And have you so, ever played Ocarina of Time? Those would, things are hard to get. I would. Yeah, those things are expensive. I yeah. would probably say you have to you have to pay some amount of gold for the bottle, and you also have to like perform a, a small ritual as a part of the action to bottle it, um, and that costs something, costs a material or maybe something. Maybe it costs a in. sword. Uh, maybe or like a little tiny sword figurine or something. Yeah. Uh, you have to put into the bottle. My sword you just, you just buy a pack of those. Buy a pack of those. Those little swords that you would stick through in mixed drinks. Oh, and oh, yeah. lemon. Yeah. <laughs> little pa- plastic yeah, and swords. Olives, yeah. Yes, you can bottle sword burst, mm-hmm. but what comes out are plastic little tiny swords. Sure. <laughs> See, I would do like same thing. You can do it, but just like. I mean, I know it's a cantrip, but because of the extra effort involved in kind of preserving the spell to be released, uh, you forget that spell until that the the oh sure potion Ooh, is probably, used. I'd probably allow that, yeah. And that, and then in that case, I would say there's no additional cost. It's just it, you know, right? It's just that you, yeah, you can you choose to essentially give someone else your knowledge of the spell until they until use they it and then it. you regain it. That's smart. I like that idea better than what I was thinking when you said preserve it. Which was their pickle swords. <laughs> pickle swords, I, I like a lot. Like because you too. preserved your swords, and now suddenly they're, yeah. they're spears of pickles. Yeah, or jam, delicious jams. <laughs> Wouldn't pickle jam just be relish? Yeah. The thing I was thinking, Adam, while while Alyssa was reading the question, is you know your character in our Dungeon World campaign right now, where he's got he's a demon hunter and he's got the sword that may or may not collect the souls of demons, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. This is something that I would think. It'd be a cool move. You would right? be able to cast. It'd be a cool move, and then it would be like the demons trapped within are forced to protect you and like get manifested in ghostly form around you, right? Or like the and have and have to fight for you for a round or whatever. Or or like the sword has like spectral other swords that come out from it, sort of sweeping right. around me and like and... like those lightsabers that suddenly have like. It, it's it's a lightsaber, but it looks like a menorah. Have you seen those? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, exactly, exactly like that. But then it'd be cool. It'd be cool because you could, I could say like, you know, it gets more powerful the more demons you've, the more oh, souls yeah. of demons you've captured because they all come out. But also, after a certain point, every time you cast it, maybe you're doing five d six damage, but 
you also have to roll a will save. And if you fail your will save, then the demons could turn on you. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. And try and fight their way back out of the sword. Yeah, it'd be a fun, so, fun like, way it, to, then, to kind of scale It'd be a cool up. way to kind of... Yeah, exactly. I um I also like with sword burst. The first thing that came to mind was like you're on a pirate ship and you get captured and they tie everybody up to the mast. Um, you can use sword burst because it goes around you in a five foot circle, and maybe will cut all of the ropes for you. It will hurt everybody <laughs> that's also tied <laughs> also to the mast except for you. Um, but like really, you're doing them I a favor. I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> I do think that's a that's a cool concept. And and I actually, you know, it's interesting because this is a, a cantrip that actually hits a whole area. And it has such... Yeah, that is kind of... I mean, it's it's a super limited use because you you really have to be the center of, mm-hmm. of the area. But um, conceptually, like most cantrips in the game don't... are single target. So being able to hit even two targets, and certainly three targets, <gasps> with a single cantrip is... is pretty valuable just as a as a cantrip attack spell you could combine this with time stop okay remember time stop we talked about it i i know the spell time stop <laughs> yes i'm familiar with time stop well <laughs> do you remember do you remember when we talked, when about, we talked about time stop At, yeah I'm, I'm with you so okay, far time yeah. stop. It, okay so it's a spell <laughs> it's no we're not gonna stop. go over time stop again you Listeners, go back and listen to Time Stop episode. It was really good. I don't remember what the episode was. I'm sure it was it's great. Episode two hundred. No, don't look it up. Okay. <laughs> I could look it up. Um. Anyway, that episode we talked about Time Stop, and Time Stop ends if you cast a spell or after a certain time, right? Mm-hmm. If you cast a spell that affects others, but you could potentially stop time and you know heal and do all the things you want to do and then when you when you're ready to end it walk into the middle of a group of enemies and cast and cast your cantrip um of time stop which you won't have a spell slot for because it's a cantrip and hit everybody in one big like oh my gosh maybe you'd even have advantage because you're coming out of a time stasis and it's surprising i might allow for that Ooh, it is, if you're a rogue you could sneak attack damage it is no, just... admittedly not a lot of damage comparative to other stuff. It is a yes. cantrip's yeah. level of damage. But if you're using time stop to do it, um, you might not have a lot of spell slots left. <laughs> well, if you're using time slot stop, that means you can cast ninth level spells. Right, I know. <laughs> Which means that you can do at least 2d6 damage <laughs> well, with your with your sword you'd, burst. You'd have to be like 17th level or higher, so you'd be doing 4d6 damage what? with your sword burst. Oh, for ninth yeah. level spells, you have to be level seventeen. Yeah, that's and so weird. Forty is a lot. Yeah, forty six damage. Forty six damage is Not you know four d six damage. Yeah. I was thinking <laughs> you could use it to prep everyone's food for the day. Oh, ooh. you could be like the chef, like a, so you like get a sushi like bar. a exactly. You get like a C shaped counter, <laughs> stand in the middle of it, get everyone's like salad, salad dressings. Ready, you, set them all chop, Throw it on the count of three. Cast it once. Brrrm, yeah. Done. Chopped salads for everyone. I like it. Where does the circle appear? Five foot away it's from you? It's range five feet, and it and momentarily you. circles you. So what you do is, if you think someone is listening on the other side of a door, or there's like a guard on the other side oh. of a door, right? You stand right up against the door, cast it, and then these swords just randomly appear on the other side and you get some kind of initial damage on 
on people, weaken them a little I, bit. I would probably allow you that. Encounter them otherwise. Um, or similarly, if it was a thin wall or something, I'd probably allow it because it doesn't yeah. specifically say that it requires line of sight. You don't have to be able to see your targets, but the person would have to be right up against the door, right? Or you're climbing a rope, right, exactly. and you want to cut the rope behind in. you. Sure. Yeah, but yeah. As long as you time it right. Because it'll cut it in front of you, too, so you have to be able to get it. <laughs> Maybe you're already on top of wherever you were climbing. You're just getting a movable rod, and then you're climbing her open. Yeah. Bad guys are you, coming at you from either direction. Way. You just hold onto the movable rod and then cast it so it cuts the rope. Perfect. And you stay in one and place. And then you're stuck there. And then everyone else falls. <laughs> and you're stuck <laughs> Hey, listen, that's, that's like two rounds away. You have other spells that can help you. That's a problem. getting stuck. Exactly. Unstuck part um i like this spell yeah well then you have a you have a nice cushion of bad guys dead bad guy you're bodies swimming away from a shark sure now you are um a, a forced to be reckoned with you've got swords spinning in a tornado would it create a water nado underneath Ooh, what if you are swallowed by something yeah, yeah that's a good idea yeah would Sushi. it would it effectively hit all of the spots around you because I, I would say yes. I would Ooh. say I would say like yeah, if I'd let him multiply the damage by a ton. Yeah, yeah. or you know um, that's eight spots at least around you, right? Uh, so yeah, I would I right, would exactly. totally allow if some if you if someone swallowed you and you had sword burst, yeah. I would be like, oh yeah, you're gonna do a whole lot. What of damage if sword you burst. want to create a tunnel? You need okay. to dig a tunnel. It's your alternate of sword burst, shovel burst. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I like Sword Burst. I think it's a super fun spell. I think we can do a lot with uh, with this spell. It's so evocative, too. Sword Burst. I What I think I like the most about it is the idea of playing a a melee spellcaster kind of character. Maybe, maybe a melee wizard, but there's lots of like other classes. You know, there's the Eldritch Knight and, and stuff like that. I played that, an Eldritch Knight. Which, they were, it's the bomb. I think that kind of thing would, would really lend it to That's be true, really did, fun on, on Sword Burst. Um and then, and then I can specifically aim to try to get surrounded by enemies or whatever to, to then be able to sword burst and do do as much damage as possible. Cool. Well, um, a sword burst done. We did it. We did it. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs. Two two shredded up thumbs up. So hey, thanks for listening. This is it. This is the end of the podcast. So <laughs> oh. we made it. You're welcome for listening. So we can. Was it okay that I talked to you? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was good. That was the, um, that so was the awesome, good. awesome to do. So remember, you can always go to nextsessionpodcast.com to submit a question. So that, thanks so much. You can go to, like you said, nextsession.com, but you can also go on our Twitter or our Facebook at the next session. And I'm the only one doing Instagram, which is at next session podcast. Um, also, I'm working very hard to get this on YouTube, which is annoying. Ooh, so nice. if you are finding this on YouTube sometime in the future, you're welcome. Yeah. Feel free to leave a comment in the comment section of the YouTube, and oh, maybe right. we will answer those questions. I forgot that YouTube has comments. Yeah. I don't know why. I guess it's just because well, I, I, I don't look at them because you most can, of the time. You can turn them off. They're not as happy. <laughs> they're not, they're yeah, leave feel a, free to not leave a yeah, comment feel if they've decided to turn off comments. Yeah, or uh, if you don't want to leave a nice comment, feel free to also not leave a comment. But <laughs> yes. if you want, you can go to, if you listen to this on Apple, you can always leave us a five-star review. Ooh, yeah. You you don't have to leave us anything less than that. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, hey, thanks, Zach. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming and being on the show, Zach. It was super fun. 
Hey, you're welcome. I didn't have to even go anywhere. Yeah. It's like the easiest show to ever be on. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Zach, if people wanted to contact you or find you, is there a place they would contact or find you? Sure. I'm at Z Zielinski on Twitter. And um, that's good. That's, that's, that's yeah. it. That's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Don't contact me anywhere else. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good. If point. you look at my Instagram, I will find you. <laughs> it's a private only Instagram. Um, well, um, thanks so much for being on the show, Zach. I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. Tune in next time and we will help you prep for your next session. <laughs> <laughs>